Are you ready? To learn about sales techniques that will make you millions by closing more deals, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Jimmy Mac Show, a sales podcast for sellers and leaders that want the edge on their competition. Here's your host. Hey guys, welcome to the show today. We really have an awesome guest. Can't wait to, uh, to have this conversation. Not just a colleague and years of working together. He's a personal friend of mine. Uh, so I'm excited to introduce Chris Baer to you. Uh, we're going to talk about today skills uh, that sales reps really need, not just for today, but in the future. So uh, again, we're going to get right into that. But before we do, I wanted uh, Chris to introduce himself. Chris? Hey, Jimmy. Thanks so much. Um, appreciate the intro. Uh, here, right, to tackle some of the fundamentals that will get us through Sales 101 uh, and into those advanced courses. Um, you know, saw that you had put on the agenda, agenda building, uh, which is appropriate, right? Um, so, yeah, excited to talk uh, through that and, um, you know, where we see our success and, uh, you know, also where we have some key learnings, right? Call them uh, failures or mistakes, leave them what you will, but, um, you know, some of those key takeaways. Yeah, cool. Appreciate that, Chris. As we well know, right, uh, you know, employment is people are asking for really the standard things when they look for employment, right? Maybe a little bit of a history, uh, needing to know some form of software capability, whether that's Salesforce, Microsoft Office, uh, those type of skills. Uh, it may be even a little bit of college, uh, even though that's not completely necessary in, in the sales world, but it's having those basic skills of connecting with people, right? Because we see the C executives, people always wanting to know how to build relationships not just internally, but externally, really the fundamentals of that. So I really wanted to talk about the knowledge of software, Chris, and, and, and what do you see from your angle in your desk? Uh, what's some of the minimum software requirements for, for either new or existing reps that need the skill? Sure. Uh, so fundamentals, um, knowing how to type. Uh, being able to get out in front of a keyboard and, you know, maybe you don't have to put out 65 words per minute. Uh, but you really should understand how to crank out, um, you know, a lot of words in a short amount of time when you need to. Uh, best way to do that, honestly, is going to master some sort of fundamental uh, mm. how to type, right? Uh, those of a certain age uh, may remember Mavis Beacon, um, <laughs> but programs like that are still out there. Um, it's still a great skill to have. It'll, it'll really carry you far. Um, as far as what you're typing into, um, you know, Microsoft still rules the roost, right? Um, the Office Suite um, presenting the Word capability as well as Excel and then PowerPoint into that one suite. There's some other options out there, um, you know, in terms of word processing, and you can get into some of the Google, you know, capabilities, um, you know, even things like, um, you know, the, the freeware that's out there. Um, but really, you're going to come back around to the Microsoft office suite, right, which is going to set the standard, really, no matter which uh, package you land on. Um, so understanding those, you know, basics, how to, um, you know, proofread a document, how to get everything in the same font, you know, format, yeah. um, you know, keeping it looking clean. A lot of what we do, right, is um, 
is uh, borrow, right? Um, or I should say outright steal. So uh, Picasso said that a great artist um, copy and or, or good artist copy and great artist steal. And um, I think we do a lot of that in this role where we're taking from marketing pitches as well as some of the conversations that we have um, that really resonate on the client side and then looking to bring that out in front of some other folks. And the way we're going to do that is, um, you know, your, your email tools, right? So understanding uh, how to run your calendar um, right. and have that be a tool that works for you and not against you. Um, you know, you, you don't want to be busy in this role uh, with uh, non-revenue producing activity. So it's understanding, right? Excel, Word, PowerPoint, um, you know, those are the basics. How do you use them? We point them out to market to try to get folks interested in something that you have to say that's going to resonate with one of the challenges, um, you know, or you know, maybe even a solution that they're looking for. Yeah, and in I think you you mentioned it before. I mean, Outlook, a critical part of businesses done via email today, um, maybe more than ever, maybe more than the phone itself, uh, which brings on a, a sort of a slant from you know the older generation if you will of having those skills is you really got to have uh, you know some of those basic email time management uh, skills abroad um, I, I mentioned phone itself i mean that is an animal all by itself of either you know you're war dialing or you're you know connecting with customers in in this time and age um think is more important or the revitalization of the phone as being maybe, you know, we used to have multiple options of connecting with customers. Um, and now the phone, I think it's playing where I think it was dying is really rejuvenated itself and connecting with customers, internal resources and like, what do you think? Uh, you know, the, um, the death of the, cold call right as it, as it were um you know greatly exaggerated i think that it's remained a tool that is fundamental to moving a business conversation forward um email is great to introduce yourself um it's great i think also for uh recap right and um, where your commitments sit with the customer um so having the conversation via phone and then using email as the the written record of hey here's what we've agreed to right um, you know feedback welcome and then carrying on from there depending on the customer really um, and how they want the conversation to go um, sometimes email is more appropriate if you're you know getting into an ordering situation sometimes it's easier um, hey you know here's a a little spreadsheet right um, put in the numbers that you want. Um, sometimes it's more nuanced and where it's more nuanced, the phone is probably going to be a more useful tool where, where you need, uh, you know, in, in network, we're always thinking about the sin and act, right? The back and forth. If you have a conversation that requires, I would say, you know, a certain number, maybe three interactions and you know that going in, probably easier to knock that out on the phone. Um, but how are you going to get that time on the phone? Could dial in, but you may again be looking back at email as the tool, right. That you're going to use to set up the call. That's hopefully going to shorten the amount of back and forth via email. And that ties right back to your, your comment about the calendar um, and how right. important that is. Um, I've taken a tack of 
looking to drive Outlook as a tool and leveraging the calendar function versus going into the emails first, which I find tend to be more of a reactive situation. Interesting. Um, if yeah. you're getting into time management, putting it out on your calendar, right? Um, and there's a lot of great tools out there. Um, you know, Calendly comes to mind, um, but a number of others that offer that immediate um, availability and that kind of ability is a double-edged sword. Um, if you have an open Calendly in sales, uh, it's it's probably a tool and a benefit to you. Um, if you're an executive function decision maker seat, uh, you may not want right to uh, share the calendar out um, fully. It may require some tuning, but even there, I think um, you can not necessarily eliminate uh, an executive assistant function, but allow them to re refocus right on um, things that are more important and leverage some sort of calendar sharing tool into your day to day. And it, it saves, I think a lot of cycles uh, again, of that sin act back and forth. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, the back and point in, in two, cause there's a lot of back and forth, right? When are you available? When are you available? Give me five, you know, days with time slots, so on and so forth, right? To a customer that's inconvenience, right? Now I got to look at the calendar, kind of shift you around. Where is, you know, where does that fall in my days and responsibilities of things that I need to get done as a customer? So giving them almost, if you think of it, the power back to them to say, you control me sort of, even though I'm giving the, the times that I am available, uh, it's giving that customer the feeling, I think, or the tangibility of saying, I'm going to schedule your day or your time based around mine, and we're going to do it right here. So, yeah, awesome to bring that up, for sure. Yeah, ma making it easy, leveraging uh, technology. Uh, there, You know, there are some security concerns that come up with folks. Um, you know, every conversation I think today is a security conversation. Um, but, you know, finding ways to zero trust that in terms of, you know, who has those links, who has that visibility. Again, right, um, not negating um, any executive functions um, that sit really at that C-level um, where they're kind of parsing through what the exact executive suite needs to be addressing, um, putting those types of tools, I think, in their hands. And then to your earlier point, um, you know, discussing uh, CRM software, right, and those types of approach, where that integration, I think, gets really powerful is, is when you're also able to... Um, you know, wrap some kind of intelligence. Um, it could be AI, it could be, um, you know, human at keyboard, um, but putting some kind of, again, um, filter in there to really ensure that what's hitting the system is good data and mm. it's, it's driving kind of that repeatable um, result of a satisfied customer interaction, right? Whether that's a purchase or whether that's a support activity, um, having that, I think, uh, all integrated, um, you know, comes back to the calendar. It comes back to availability. Um, to your point about working with customer um, and their schedule, um, we think about, you know, the technology we work with on our own seats. And, um, you know, there's, there's a big difference between a provider that gives you a window, 
right? And a provider that's going to be um, on time. So if you, um, for example, want to replace all the windows in your house and you uh, want to make an appointment, I guarantee that Anderson uh, windows rep is going to be at your door, um, you know, no more, you know, than five minutes early for that appointment. Right. Um, but certainly no later. And yeah. if you want to actually procure um, a service from an oil company, you'll probably get a day, right? They'll be there between, I don't know, 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. Sure, yeah. Probably. Um, so think about those different experiences and um, where your loyalty is going to lie, but also I think what your expectations are, right, of the service. Um, so when you see that level of attention up front, um, from somebody that's enabling you, right, to control their schedule, like you said, um, your expectation, I think, for service from that company overall is going to be a little bit higher, maybe than somebody that um, you're going to assume is the logistics or third party um, delivery, right, apparatus of this person's, um, you know, what they claim to be their, their core competency or their core business. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think we as individuals or human beings um, delineate from, hey, I just called Disney and just had an awesome experience, either on the phone or via email communication or some other, you know, platform of connecting between, to your point, the oil company, right? So those expectations aren't dropped typically, right, when you're calling one from the other. It almost you know, if you have an awesome experience, you almost expect it every time um, with that with whoever you're speaking to. So, yeah, Chris, you make a really good point there. Yeah, and and speaking to someone too, right, is um, where the phone threads into all this technology. It is, I think, the fastest way. Um, you know, video call or audio is probably the fastest way to identify yourself as a human being. Yeah. And it's very easy to ape that, um, even in chat, um, you know, those automated chats that'll pop up on websites uh, claiming to be a customer right. service rep, but they're made up of ones and zeros, right? Yeah. Uh, they, they don't have the capability to swivel chair over to another resource. Um, it's either in the code or it's not. And human beings, right, are going to provide, I think, that additional uh, layer, right, again, hoping to raise the bar in terms of the customer's expectation of what the interaction will be with uh, the company overall, right? Yeah, so, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think the chat can do, you know, 10 to 12 basic things, right? It, it's sort of like, you know, the auto attendant did with when are you open or when are you close, right? It will just do basic core thing at this point anyways. I think we'll just do basic things, but uh, for sure. Hey, I, I want to get to uh, question number two before we have a break, and and that is, you know, as a is either a new rep or an existing rep or seasoned professional uh, sales professional, asking questions or being curious, valuable skill or not? Essential skill in sales. You have to be curious. One of the most powerful tools that we have, I think, is the open-ended question. Right finding the right time to ask the right question and allowing uh, real explanation of what's going on is 
a really, really uh, powerful tool in order to make it work, in order for it to be a good question, you have to care about the answer. Right. So you have to have that curiosity. Um, you know, there's a difference between order taking and demand generation. And if you're in the business of demand generation um, slash education, uh, some people call it uh, evangelizing, there's a push right towards something maybe you haven't thought about this this way or you don't know about this yet. And that introduction really has to be driven by a genuine curiosity about what's going on on the other side, um, you know, of the, of the phone line or of the uh, video screen um, or the conference room table, uh, knock on wood. So I think that curiosity is going to drive the engagement, a sincere, uh, you know, desire to understand what's going on, right? Uh, whatever it is, right. is, is going to open up um, you know, trust once you've found it and are able to address it intelligently um, and honestly too, right? Um, right? If depends, right? If you're a rep and you're in a role that's dedicated to a very specific function, um, you know, uh, think manufacturer rep, um, you sell storage solutions. Um, if somebody's got a challenge over here at the, um, you know, kind of uh, connectivity layer with their cloud and they're not really thinking at the block level, you know, is that an opportunity for you or is that not is kind of, you know, I've got a hammer. Is that a nail or not? Mm. Um, versus the more consultative selling that you'll find in a lot of agent partner, um, you know, the reseller community, um, you know, large and small, which is, I think that more consultative approach of, um, understanding that there's a whole mix of targets, you know, that, that probably could be hit, um, understanding maybe natively what your company does best or integrates best is, is maybe where you're going to lean. Um, but being curious about the customer, I think, yeah, is, is always going to be core, um, to, to the conversation. Um, what are, what are some of the questions that you use when you're looking to open, you know, open up the conversation? Yeah. I think another part of curiosity is liking humans, like be a people person, if you will. Right. So that curious conversation, people driven, right. Cause we're not machines. It's not like, you know, you're ordering it through some verbal machine. It's, it's people relating with people. So that curiosity is interest in that person or those persons, right, in the organizations, which lead to, you know, what they do for a living. Uh, on top of that, I, I, for me, is, is I think the top of the scale for me, because without it, it becomes a machine-driven interaction, right? Or, hey, what do you have on your desk today? And that's not where the right the decisions and the engineering and all those things from a technology or product standpoint are already done, right? Now it just becomes a price war. And I can't tell you how many businesses, right, don't want to sell on price. It has to be some other value in there and humans based on sales and they're not ordering via a website somewhere, I think is the key component. Yeah, it, it's 
there, there are certainly customers that um, don't want that level of engagement. So understanding, uh, you know, those folks and, you know, what they want to get out of it, I think is part of listening. And, um, you know, in a lot of cases, there's going to be uh, team selling, you know, your, your comment towards somebody who's newer to sales and, and kind of getting into the game. Um, you know, a lot of companies uh, do what they, they, they say they roll deep, right? Yeah. So you may have meetings where there are four to six um, members, right? And those could be a mix of in-person, uh, virtual, audio only. Uh, so some people are picking up audio cues. Some people are seeing the video. Um, so really coming into those types of engagements with, um, first of all, a, a pre-call. Right. So if you've got multiple resources, uh, really anything beyond one other resource, maybe that you go to market with on a consistent basis, you absolutely want to have a pre-call, right? Um, where you're going to marshal those resources. You're going to understand who's doing what. Um, and you also want to- Internal uh, pre-call. Internal, internal pre-call. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, we should spell it out. And I don't think I've used any acronyms yet either. So I'm trying to be careful of that. Um so, you know, ha having that, that, you know, engagement um, from the team perspective of doing a lot of listening, um, because if you do have younger members or, you know, even some seasoned members that are certain, um, you know, sales motion types that will drive to product faster. Mm -hmm. Again, it depends on what type of organization you're with. Um, if you're in a manufacturer's seat, that's what you want. Really, you want to drive to a no as fast yeah. as possible right. and hopefully you're going to hit a yes, but that's really what you're looking to do is almost disqualify the conversation. Um, in the manufacturer's role, you really only want to talk to people that want to talk to you. Right. Sure. Um, At the end of the day. Yeah. For sure. they, they may not know it, right. Education may be a part of it. If you've got a new widget and yep. you need to, you know, present that to, to a segment. Um, sure. Um, but in a lot of the other, you know, roles and the folks, I think even on the manufacturer side, as you see more of a lean into the partner engagements and the channel engagements are understanding that there are folks that are there for the long haul and they are the ones who ask the better questions and mm. really care about the answers, listen, yeah. um, and then get to work, right? Providing solutions that they've set reasonable expectations for and op opening, you know, the, the customer conversation, uh, with those open-ended uh, questions, right, um, are, are what's going to get you there. Um, save the yes and no for um, kind of that end of sales cycle, right? Um, there's certain things, obviously, that, that are going to be up, down, yes, no. Um, but most of it's not binary. Most of it is um, some nuance. And, you know, to your earlier question, how are you going to engage them? That's going to come out in a conversation, um, you know, elephant in the room. And, and we haven't mentioned it, um, you know, being the, uh, the, the pandemic or, uh, the damn panic as some folks like to call it. Um, and, and what does business look like, you know, moving forward? Um, if you're a new rep coming in, you're in the same seat, I think almost an advantage in a way, right? As everybody else right now, where a lot of the polish and the seasoning um, does come from uh, walking through marble lobbies and, um, you know, checking in through a front desk and yeah, good collect, 
you know, collecting yourself yeah. on the way up the elevator. And yeah, and, you're, um, you're scanning for things on the walls in the lobby. You know what I mean? Just to tailor your pitch. So many context or... clues. Yeah. Contextual yeah. clues. Well said, um, yeah. What's on the coffee table, um, getting to know the gatekeeper who, who you probably talked to right. Um, at one point or another in your sales journey. Yeah. Um, so putting a face to the name, as they say, um, is something that should right make a reemergence, but for the moment, um, I think it's optional and I think customers are ready to meet people in a new way. And, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of us that, um, you know, are hoping right for things to kind of move and shift back, um, to doing business across the table. And I know there's a lot of customers out there, um, who would prefer that as well. Um, they want those context clues as well. Right. right. Um, you know, is the, uh, is the tie wrinkled, right? Um, yeah. Does this guy, uh, you know, seem like he's um, got his stuff together? Does he more or less uh, parlay into the um, person we expected to show up today? All those little things um, that you're both gathering. You know, if you're if you're asking the right questions, uh, that's certainly going to be one of them. Um, you know, yeah, sure. where is the customer um, looking to transact business? And what kind of business are they in, um, you know, uh, as it relates back to that. Um, but broadly speaking, I, I think you're in a good seat um, if you know how to use those tools, the, um, you know, spreadsheet and a Word doc. Like you said, uh, Outlook, understanding a calendaring um, email app and really building, um, you know, your day off of it. And, um, yeah, I work for an executive who, who likes to say, um, you know, you do the little things every day, right. right? That's, that's where success comes from. It's doing the little things every day. Um, I think it was it probably stemmed from Lombardi initially. Um, but that, that really is, um, you know, those email calendar, um, you know, Excel, um, you know, PowerPoint to a certain extent, understand how to convert documents right into sure. PDF, uh, keep it lightweight. What's going to get through the filter, but having, you know, a grasp of those tools and, and, and then doing it every day is where um, the rubber meets the road. And as, as long as organizationally you're aligned to um, see the yield of that investment, right, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you should be in pretty good shape. And, um, you know, whether it's a manufacturer's rep or it's um, a reseller um, or a distributor, there's a long-term relationship to be had and um, you know, customers move and uh, reps move and um, those conversations that you have early in your career, um, you know, that are important um, should be valued. Right. Um, you, you had asked in um, yeah, your, your show questionnaire uh, regarding, you know, kind of social media and, and, you know, wh where, where do people find each other? Um, you know, for me, it's just LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn exclusive. Um, you know, Let's hold that topic. Let's hold that yeah. topic. Um, we'll do. Just for now. Hey, gang, we're going to take a break, a uh, real quick break for us. Uh, hope you've enjoyed listening to Chris on the first half. We have an awesome second half segment coming up, right? How to run a meeting. What's basic product knowledge. I think you really dig into it and uh, enjoy it. So stay with us.
Hey, welcome back to the show. Our second half of the show, we're going to talk about how to run a meeting and just basic product knowledge. Hey, Chris, I want to know, you know, is video, we talked about video in the first half, video conferencing, connecting with customers, suppliers, and internal folks, uh, just in general, camera on your video meetings. What do you think, essential or non-essential? I think video is non-essential. I'd, I'd go non-essential on that. Um, I think the customer interface, you go in camera on and leave it up to the customer. Um, Got it. Take a note. And, um, you know, there's a certain level of, uh, I don't want to say awkwardness, maybe too strong a word, but there's uh, really no reason to sit on camera if, um, you know, nobody else is on video. Um, if that's how you go about your day and you're most comfortable doing it, more power to you. Um, you know, some of us are multitasking and I think, uh, camera on to a customer shows that, um, you know, level of commitment to the meeting, yep. the concentration. Um, so there's value to it. Um, but again, it depends on the customer. So your suggestion is first meeting, first engagement, never talk to this customer video off or on. I'd go a hundred percent on. 100% on. So let's go to the next step. What if customer doesn't do video? I think you take a note, um, come into the next meeting, probably camera off. I'd stay on for that meeting. Um, Got it. And then uh, moving forward, just make that note. Um, you know, customers coming in camera off. Um, it could be, um, you know, any number of reasons. They may want to be multitasking. Um, it's, you know, a way to get a gauge. I think if you're coming in camera on and the customer stays camera off, like you have a certain level of commitment to that meeting, um, yeah. versus if the customer's camera comes on, I think you, you have a better engagement. So leave the door open on your side for that to happen. And, um, if it does great, if it doesn't, no big deal. Um, you know, you can accomplish what you need to, um, you know, via, via audio. So I think what I hear I'm saying, if customer doesn't, Again, this isn't black and white, but if a customer doesn't show up with video, the commitment to moving forward or buying something or interest level may be diminished? Yeah, you know, I, I feel like I did kind of infer that it's it's like you said, not not quite black and white. It I'd say it this way. If the customer's camera on, they came to a meeting the same way that they would have showed up to the table if it was in person. Yeah. Um, so it's a positive sign if video's on. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a negative if it's off. I'd say probably neutral. Um, but it's definitely a positive sign if it's on. Got it. So then you've got to worry about, hey, what's behind you? What's in your background, right? What are you portraying? What's that image, especially on an initial meeting, of what the customer sees? Because now you have a visual point, right? Just like an in, in-person meeting, right? Except you have more maybe of your personal things behind you. Uh, you think that's sort of a challenge? It should be an awareness. Would you agree? You absolutely want to be aware. Right. Um, I think anything risque, um, anything you wouldn't bring into an office, I don't think should probably be hanging in the background. 
Um, you know, myself, I have a you know small office in my house um, that I work out of. Pretty simple, uh, you know, brick background with some books on the shelf. Yep. Um, I think the most controversial thing I have up there is probably some Patriots memorabilia. Um, not going to apologize for that, but I'd say to <laughs> you know keep it keep it to sports. Maybe um, you know leave religion and politics. I'd say um, for the most part. Uh, again, depending on your line of work. Um, you know, outside, um, not that anybody should be, you know, ashamed of who they are. Um, but anything that's going to distract, I think from a business conversation, um, you know, maybe something you at least want to your, you know, to your point, be aware of, um, and then, you know, act accordingly. Um, there's some people who feel really strongly about certain things and they want to have that level of interaction. Well, um, you know, that's a way to get to know your customers for sure. Right. Um, sure. You know, put something maybe that isn't, um, you know, as widely accepted and, you know, I'm fishing mentally for like examples and, um, you know, I can't really think of anything that, um, that I would deem, um, you know, even remotely controversial that would end up in my office anyway. Um, I, I'll give an example. Well, I don't know if it's controversial. I thought it was interesting. This person had it in the background, I applied for a short-term loan at a credit union mm -hmm. and the transaction literally happened via video conference. So we both set eyes on each other. We both went through the paperwork together. Uh, it was a really cool experience, uh, all based off and clickable from their website. So you went from mm -hmm. a website to a video chat uh, to an agent that was in New England. Uh, and this person literally had, um, the sales results in the bonus that she was getting based on sales results on the back of her wall. Hmm. And, and they were just sort of hanging it up. I'm sure it was in a cube environment. And I don't know. I thought it was just challenging. Maybe something you don't want to publish to the, to the outside world. And the person forgot it was back there. Hmm. So it was, once I brought it up, I'm like, Oh, that's an interesting thing you have on the wall. And she was, she was almost, it was a lady, she was almost embarrassed that it was there. But uh, again, to your point, you know, complete awareness of what people can see. Yeah, it, it does uh, bring into play, you know, what kind of environment. Um, like you said, this was something that um, it seems like you initiated. So you were an inbound transaction to them. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you know, you, you think about the awareness again, if you're not out there hunting and you're uh, in a receiver mode for leads kind of coming into you, maybe your awareness is a little lower because um, you don't have as high a gate of entry to get that first interaction. Yeah. Um, I'd argue it's probably um, even more important, right, um, for somebody just coming inbound um, you know, and there are a lot of options out there to just eliminate it. Um, you know, you can uh, put up a background, you can fuzz out your background blur, right? Um, sure. I see a lot of folks doing that. Um, just, I think, you know, for the random, you know, work from home situation, you have something going on in the background, rather screen it um, and, and just not have that um, even be an option to occur. Uh, you know, you may be um, better off in that front. But again, it's awareness, right, of what your work from home environment is like or what your, um, you know, uh, video situation is if you're in an office. Um, 
and that type, right, a visual cue, uh, right, or clue, um, how, how did that make you feel seeing that as the customer? It was, almost, it was, I don't know about inappropriate, but it just, it didn't make me say, wow, right? It was sort of just the opposite, like, hmm, interesting. Is this person really here for me or their commission check, right? So that's how it made me feel at the time. That's why I questioned it. Fair, fair uh, to I'm, say it made, made you feel like uh, you're, you're just a number going up on the board. Yeah, yeah. yeah just a number. So I, I guess to your point is maybe use the blur, right? If there's anything questionable or could be questionable walking by uh, on the backside of you um, a, as to try to eliminate any points that someone wouldn't do business with you. Mm. If it's yeah. not completely staged or set up. The, the way you want it to be with distractions on the backside. Yeah. Yeah. Avoiding distractions, I think is the key, right? If it's, if it's going to distract potentially from the conversation you want to have, then yep. why have it? Right. Good point. Yeah, right. If it's not going to potentially drive business forward, then, then I, I'd say just uh, eliminate it. Um, yeah. There are certain environments. Um, you know, I think uh, what, what you described, smacks of, of a car dealership. I think, you know, a lot of those you walk in, you see the board yeah. upright, the, um, you know, who's the number one sales the rep thermometer. Right. 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 Yeah. You see, you see a lot of that stuff in um, more transactional environments. Right. Yeah. And they're, they're probably, you know, you're feeling that you're just a number, right. That needs to land on that board is probably accurate you know to that particular company's culture got it yeah well said let's get back to some of the basic things for a meeting right and we we all wrestle with this it's been around a long long time whether it was on the phone in-person meeting or you know now via web our combination of both is the agenda where do you stand on the agenda especially for a new rep or, or is there a difference between would you say new and seasoned? I, th I think a basic agenda is um, a great tool. Um, the opportunity for the customer to uh, buy in right to what you want to talk about um, and including in your agenda, um, you know, that opportunity for feedback, right? You want to, you really want to work to solicit it, um, a customer-driven agenda, I think, is um, going to be light on introductions and um, from the um, sales side, right, and heavy on um, customer introduction, landscape, um, really for that initial meeting. Um, the agenda is essential to ensure that you're delivering uh, to the expectation, right, of, uh, of the customer, making um, use of both your time. You need to agree on why you're meeting. And then um, I think, you know, even the simplest agenda is going to call out um, the next step, right? Which is where you always want to close your meeting. Is there a next step? And if so, when? Yeah. So the agenda, I, I like what you said there. So an agenda could be, you know, let's keep the plane on course, right? Just like the FAA does, right? Let's keep these planes on course, right? Because 95% of the time they're off course, right? Just from flying in the air. Let's, let's keep that focal point to that end destination, 
which is those action items or Q&A or whatever comes out of the meeting. Maybe it's, hey, I don't want to do business or there's no reason for us to do business. More importantly, I think the agenda could, you know, once you maybe initiate either an email or a conversation of having a meeting, that there may be some interest in the time in between, because we know business is running at such a rapid pace these days with so many things, you know, being being hit to our brains every day uh, and taking more roles and responsibilities that the agenda is almost a reminder of what took place prior. And uh, I agree with you, intros should be super short and, and, you know, just cover the basics. Who's, you know, I call who's who in the zoo, right? And just do those intros. You really want to get that customer to talk about their business, their environment, their challenges, and, and start the conversation that way. Because ultimately, it's not for us, right? It's really to talk about the customer, have the customer talk about themselves and, you know, how that business or what the future may be, uh, and, and where they like to go, right? How do they how do they conquer their objectives and having extreme ownership and executing their job? Anything to add to that? Yeah, well, well said. The the agenda is indeed that guide point uh, can help you keep on track if you have multiple stakeholders, right. Uh, making sure everybody gets their chance, right. Um, to, to speak, um, keeping customer focus, uh, with some customers, very easy, um, with others, you have to come prepared, uh, with those questions. Um, and you want to, you want the customer to understand that you prepared, um, so, you know, leverage yeah. your tools, probably the best time in terms of uh, research, market research that's available, um, who the person is on the other end of the line, right? Um, personally, yep. whether that's a LinkedIn or some other social media. Um, and on top of that, um, what's this company up to? And that's all, you know, pretty easy to find these days. Um, so there really is no excuse to go in and ask a question that you could learn from their website, right? Um, mm. So that's where you get into open-ended questions versus close-ended. Um, do your research, right? Do your research and stage your questions to show that you've done your research. So you you would then want to show like open-ended, close-ended, um, probably the other order, um, I see that you have five locations listed on your website. Um, is that an accurate count, you know, in, in terms of locations? Is five an accurate count? It's sure. so a close-ended question. You want a yes or a no, um, but you're leaving it open to, oh, you know, we list five, but we actually have uh, two other distribution facilities, right? So a little bit of phishing. Um, yep. But the the real question that you want to ask is, what is your stake in managing those five or seven locations mm. and then listening and understanding where they start is important. They're generally, most folks are going to start with where they're strongest. So yeah. seeing how they start their answer um, will tell you a lot in terms of their right foot going back and they're now delivering where they're most comfortable 
and then usually somewhere um, near the end is where you're going to start to hear the discomfort, the pain point, call it what you will, uh, but really what you came for. So talk about that, right? Because you say what your comfort level is. When you start a meeting, do you do a little chit-chat? Do you do sort of a clean joke? Do you break the ice that way? Um, what do you do? I <laughs> Personally, I tend to drive as quickly to the customer talking as possible. So I want to pass the mic. Um, opening with a joke, those can be, um, you know, hit or miss. Um, I think, I think you, you, you want to see where the customer's mindset is. You want them to understand you're taking this meeting seriously. Not that we can't have fun and get our jobs done, um, but I'll let them guide um, the introduction of humor. Um, ask me that question 20 years ago, Jimmy, and, and probably would have said, uh, yeah, I, I got a bunch of jokes I can kick off a meeting with. Um, but over the years, I've found, again, um, keeping that word distraction. Yeah forefront is this introducing a distraction now i've seen um you know some great relationship building happen um you know with folks who are way outside right of um you know what we're there to discuss um when i when i look back on that i don't really see a consistent tie to having those free range conversations that touched on a bunch of social elements yep. don't necessarily drive um, the business conversation later. Um, what I do find is if you can stay disciplined, stay focused, eliminate the distractions, you may get to that point with the customer later. So but, if they yeah, sort of like your personality, the way you're asking questions, you know, how can you be warm, sincere, uh, with the right tonality, right, of voice, instead of attacking or just asking simple questions, is really trying to be part of their team, um, getting to that next step, what I will call next step, um, and having the, the personal side, right? So it starts off on the business, uh, maybe introducing you or your support team along with you, and have that customer sort of go last and setting that expectations that kind of rolls into uh, what they do for a living, what the company does, maybe a high level type of, uh, and then you start to uh, kind of peel the onion, if you will, at that point, or open the box, whatever metaphor we want to use um, in understanding or confirming what you may already know, but just sort of have the customer, you know, start to get the head going north and west instead of east, you know, uh, east and west, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the customer um, engagement on a personal level, you know, I, I've had um, some, some deeply personal experiences um, with customers um, who I share should one. say. Uh, Can you prospects. share one? Um, you know, one was uh, oh, a, no, really large, um, organization, um, you know, multi-billion dollar company. Um, I ended up, uh, going out to a cigar bar, um, where one of the, uh, new executives had a locker, um, silver scotch and cigars, um, in a nice. downtown Providence. Um, you know, we then took a trip across 
town in his Range Rover where he told me about um, being, in essence, you know, promoted one step beyond uh, where he was comfortable and um, got to the next place and ended up at a table over from Buddy Cianci, um, which was really interesting, former uh, mayor of uh, Providence at that time. And, um, you know, didn't get home probably till three in the morning um, and ultimately uh, never closed business uh, with that customer. Um, though there's somebody that I remain connected with, um, you know, and talk to occasionally, um, even with a really deep personal interaction, um, that isn't where the business comes from per se. Um, the business was really at the table. Um, and this wasn't a case where that personal interaction was going to impact the business on the table one way or the other. And I think you can, you know, invest yourself personally into people. Um, but you do have to understand at the end of the day, it is business. And that's why I say leading with personality, um, is great. Um, you can be super likable. It'll open a lot of doors, but I think those really valuable long-term relationships are going to come from uh, the folks. Maybe you didn't sell anything to, um, you know, maybe the first couple of times you talk to them um, across right. maybe a couple different companies for both of you. Um, but you get to know people and they get to know you and um, you, know, you, you get an understanding of you're going to value their time when you interact. You're going to speak straight and you're bringing some of the knowledge if they're at the same company and maybe you're at a different company or you have a new product, something of that nature. Yep. You're now able to capitalize off of a history there. So there's value, right? Beyond he tells a good joke. He knows our story, right? Um, He came to that first meeting years ago, prepared, didn't ask questions that he could have figured out um, via our website. And since then, right, has consistently come to the table when asked. And, um, you know, maybe there is business that gets done there. Maybe there isn't. And if you really do want to go in at a personal level, you've got to be sincere about it. And that sincerity has to carry through when there isn't business on the table. Are you still going to act as a consultant when that deal's not going to swing your way? And if the answer is no, well, you know, let's keep the sports talk to a minimum then and focus on, you know, the ones and zeros and and the business challenge. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a real interesting point because it could be, Hey, I like you as a person and a friend, but either your product or your company or what you're offering doesn't fit, or at least in their mind doesn't fit. So let's just be friends. Yes. Uh, or, or it could go both ways, right? It could go the other way and says, I like you as a person. I want to do business with you in that arena, right? And, and yep. let's let's transact, right? At that point, yep. or let's dig in. Some, but in sometimes you're uh in addition to that, you're servicing business and build, or I'll call planting the seed, right? The Johnny Apple seed in the ground, and you continue to water that, right? To bloom into the next stage of that relationship in either you're asking or recommending uh, or just kind of probing, if you will, in a kind way, or the customer's asking you, right? On the backside. Like, do you do this X, Y, and Z? And you say, yeah, we do X, Y, and Z. And, and it may not be one time. It 
may take a few times to your point of getting to that stage where, okay, the doors are open and that's usually a compelling event. It's usually someone's letting them down and somewhere in the chain. And now I'm open, right? My mind is open for alternatives. So, yeah, well said. Yeah, it's, it is, um, something to be aware of if you want to come in on personality um you've got to be sincere and it is going to lead to i think some great conversations um but it then comes down to the expectation of your management from your seat um and having clear understanding right of uh, what is it that your leadership wants to see um out of your role and um, being able to read between the lines, right? Um, every single company out there is going to tell you that the customer comes first. But it's not true of every single company. So you've yeah, got to be able to understand where your value is and what your company does well. And um, if you're selling on relationship, you've got to be very careful that you're not tying your personal brand yeah. right into something, um, you know, let's say it's a very large organization, you may have very little impact, right on the actual delivery of the service, a uh, sure. small organization, um, you know, somebody who's more hands on, uh, you may know, right, the engineers that can go out and do the deployment, um, yeah. things like that do matter. Um, so you've got to be careful, um, be likable. Um, but right, you also don't want to be uh, really easy to say no to either. Yeah. Fair, fair to say. Let's let's pivot to our our last topic uh, for this episode and and uh, basic product knowledge. Hmm. So, how critical is it? Uh, do you rely on you understanding, or do you rely on some form of support, whether technical, non technical, uh, to so, so sort of, in other words, do we team sell? Or do you think it's super important to have, you know, basic understanding of the product moving forward? What's your thoughts? Like everything, it depends, right? Um, so lots of different potential answers to that question. I, I'd break it down um, maybe into a hunter-farmer, right? Um, okay. If you're out there um, running account management on really the customer success side of the organization, I think your product knowledge uh, has got to be top of the stack, right? Yeah. The ability to uh, paint a smile on no matter what, maybe number one, number two, you got to know that product, right? That the, uh, the customer is calling in um, cold, right? Or at least know the support matrix for it. Um, so you're able to execute very quickly and confidently um, in that seat. <clears throat> so I think product knowledge for an account management role, for the, for the farming role, essential. For the hunter, I don't think you're, it depends on, I guess, the, the product um, or solution, right? Um, if you are a manufacturer's rep, the expectation should be, you know, pretty high, I think, in terms of your product knowledge because, well, hey, we're a company that does email filtering. So, gosh, you should probably understand email platforms and how they're secured. Um, if you're more of a, um, you know, 
consultative or, you know, um, you know, in a reseller capacity where you have multiple product offerings, right. That could potentially, um, solve multiple business challenges across sure. a bunch of different buckets. I think your, your knowledge ties into product, but only in as much as your, um, your questions go. So you don't need to know the product you need to understand the business challenge that the products yep. solve and speak intelligently to that. And then to your question about uh, subject matter experts or, you know, specialty um, overlays, that's usually going to be um, where you're going to bring those folks in, right. in that type of a role. So if you're hunting and you're capable of representing multiple solution sets, you're really looking for um, pain points, not so technical on what you can do. You just need to be able to hear, um, you know, to, to ask questions efficiently and hear quickly um, if those pain points exist on the other side of the line. Yeah, almost. Uh, I mean, I if I can get my two cents is because it's my show. It's Jimmy Mac's uh, show. It's a Jimmy Mac show. Get four cents. I, I think business development is... Whether it's a single product or multiple products, you got to know the business conversations for sure, right? So, what are those drivers, or what are you what are you trying to understand, right? To either fit in that product, whether it's a single product or not, you almost have to understand the environment, or the widget, or what it does, right down the line, of what's the next person, right? What's the, what's that benefit? What's that value? What's the end customer going to experience um, in account development? I agree with you with a, with uh, with an existing customer calling in for support in the account, you know, management side. You got to know the products up and down, inside out, or have very short order of how to get that resolved in a timely, quickly, professional way. A hundred percent, because that's how we save churn, right? Of, of customers leaving. That's how we how we reinforce the brand of making a sticky customer. I mean, that could be a whole nother show and will be, but uh, basic product knowledge may not, I think what I'm hearing from you may not be super essential, but understanding the business needs, your customers' business needs or challenges is. Fair to say? Yeah, the, the, the best reps, I think, the best hunters um, have limited product knowledge. They're probably yeah. uh, the sure. last ones to take the trainings. Um, they're the last one to, um, you know, really be interested in that newest knob or dial or, you know, firmware update or whatever it is. Probably pretty low on the priority list unless they have a customer, right, with a pain point that that new feature release is going to solve, right? Maybe there's some pent up demand in market that they know about it. Well, now they're going to be the first one into that training, right? Um, there's a uh, uh, guy, Brian Burns, right? He does a, a oh, sure. brutal, brutal truth sales podcast. And he says, uh, you know, the best reps, generally speaking, um, you know, are, are going to um, be poor performers in a lot of other areas and what it boils down to and uh, the way he says it is if it's not revenue producing activity they're not interested mm. they're not interested in the internal call about um you know this latest button because 
their customers aren't asking for it because they're engaged. They're on the customer's side looking for value from the company. Um, So they're really part of the tip of the spear, the customer, right? Pointing into the uh, company and, um, you know, where you find your product knowledge, generally speaking, I think is where the tip of the spear comes from the company side. So if your product knowledge, uh, your your customer side, your customer side or your company side? From the company side, from your uh, company side, your company right? Side. Your, your tip of the spear, I think, facing the customer comes wherever that real product expertise sits. So if you're out to market, right, a common pairing would be uh, an account executive and a sales engineer, right? Mm-hmm. Going out to market together, they're going to have really a, a limited, I think, um, product knowledge, right? If they're really listening right? Your job is to take in as much customer data points and refine it. And then when they bring it back, um, the party, right, as subject matter expert, the engineering bench, the people who run the demos, whoever that line is there, sure. I think that's where you see the expectation of um, less questions being asked and, and more of a show. Hey, here's, here's our show. Right. You, you've uh, you got your ticket. Right. You walked in. Um, this guy got you your popcorn. Now you're ready to see the show. Yeah. Now we're pointed towards you. Right. We're kind of done listening for the moment. We're going to tell you something now. Yep. It depends where organizationally, I think, um, you know, you're set up as to where that line gets drawn. And the more you put up front. In that process, I think the more likely you are to be in that solution selling segment, yep. the less time you spend there and the faster you drive to product, more likely that you have a hammer and you're just looking for a nail. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Hey, well, that's going to do it today. Uh, again, I've had an awesome day uh, talking with Chris Bear, technology sales specialist a true sales professional in the technology arena. Uh, you definitely can get a hold of them on LinkedIn uh, at CBear uh, on your LinkedIn, or you can look for Chris Bear. Please do so. He's a great resource and, uh, and a fun person as well. So with that being said, that's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please give us a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Jimmy Mac show or Instagram at instagram.com slash the Jimmy Mac show.